Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that everyone is born with psychic abilities? It's just a matter of knowing how to tap into it. Wouldn't it be great to have a podcast that can help? This is the Psychic Inside Show. Joel the Vibrarian on a higher frequency is on a mission to elevate, enlighten, and empower. We're all born with gifts and abilities, but not all of us recognize or accept them. Hear from people who've opened up to the psychic inside. You'll hear their fascinating stories, and we'll take a peek behind the veil, plus psychic readings and more. Our phone line is open. Dial 646-787-8436. That's 646-787-8436. This is the Psychic Inside Show. And now your host, Joelle the Vibrarian. Hello and hello and welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. I am here. My name is Joelle. you are joining me. If you are listening online on the Blog Talk Radio page, thank you. The chat room is open. For those of you that are on the phone, the 646-787-8436, if you want to come on and ask a question at some point, just press the pound and the one key. And for those of you that are catching this on the replay out on iTunes, Audible, and Google Play, Thank you so much for tuning in. So as you said, my name is Joelle, and on the Psychic Inside Show, it is my pleasure to talk with people from all over the United States and also internationally. And the common theme is that we are going to be talking about this individual journey that uh, led someone to discover things about themselves that might be considered outside the realm of normal. So my guest this evening, I first have to give you a little bit of backstory as I lead into this. I go up to a local holistic shop, metaphysical shop called Holistic Health and Wellness one time a month. And I was up there, I guess, a couple months ago now on on a weekend, just gabbing away, sitting behind the front counter. And this couple comes in, and they're like really cool energy, very chatty and talky. And so as Don is interacting and asking like what they do or where they're from, they say, oh, we're from like Minnesota, way up north and of course we giggled about the weather and all of that comes out that she is in town for a librarian's conference at that point I was completely involved in their conversation because I'm a librarian too so my ears perked all the way up and I kind of <laughs> inserted myself then I into the conversation and that is when I met Carlene so, Carlene, welcome this evening to the Psychic Inside Show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was so excited, first of all, to see you shopping into the store. You were just talking, I think we were talking about metaphysical things, and then you started saying a few 
wise things that I thought, ooh, I need to make mental note of that. And then I think I asked for your business card. On your business card, you said that you were into, like, knitting and needlepoint, mm-hmm. and then I saw that you were an author. So, okay, all of my library and check marks are like all getting <laughs> filled in one by one. Not only that, you are going to the comic book store next door to look at the graphic novels and graphic design. So that was like five out of five check marks of like my tribe of <laughs> <laughs> people. So, Carlene, like you were in Atlanta literally for a library and conference, but you also are an author. Like you wear many hats. So, like, can you talk about this blend of how you are, like, right now, to how you got there in a minute? But who are you right now in this space and time? Right this moment? (laughs) Uh, Yes. I'm an author that's way behind on a project. (laughs) I'm a painter that's that's feeling guilty about not getting their work done in the last couple days. And... uh, (laughs) A librarian always. I'm I'm on call anytime the building is open, so my students can get a hold of me. Plus, I'm, yes. I'm a priestess in a faith group, so I uh, I have a coven that has people needing my attention all the time as well. Yeah. So, like, I okay. The books that you're writing, for one, as an author, are high are high fantasy. Would that be a fair classification? Yes. So I do. So the difference between low and high fantasy is low is it has some magical element to it, but high fantasy the world needs the magic to survive to to thrive. Um, But it's an integral part of what the story is. And I have um, some that it talks a lot about whether they're a sorcerer or a wizard kind of a thing. And then you know there's that's like a whole different realm versus. I've got one with uh, rangers and druids that have different types of magics. And some of that has healing properties and um, how do they help heal nature, how they help heal people kind of thing. So that factors in. Um, And then, of course, mythical creatures. We've got some books that have things like werewolves and griffins in them. And so, yeah, all of my books have some element of magic to them. Hmm. And how long have you been writing, uh, like, professionally in terms of releasing these? You have, like, a couple few series from what I've seen, correct? Yes. Um, I've been writing since I was in high school, but mm-hmm. I never really took myself seriously. And my mother had said, you know, you're you're so good at this. You really need to do something with your writing. You should get published. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had <laughs> a really a, – I had four years where I had cancer, so I was really, really sick, and I nearly died twice, mm. and I just decided that I needed a bucket list. I, I'm done with this. I'm going to make a list and do all the things, and okay. write, writing a book was one of them, so I I had all this time where I was at home, and the doctors had said, well, you need to be a professional patient, and that, I'm not good at that, so mm. I decided that if I was going to be a professional anything, it was going to be an author, so I got I got busy writing a book. And um, so I just took some of the notes and things from way before and got that put together and put that out. Um, I had a friend that had reached out to me and said, your 
your short stories that I've seen on, you know, different blog posts and whatever are really cool. And he had done some, um, he, I had played with him online and he had done three tours of duty in Iraq. And he just said, you know, I had to go to therapy rather than go back. They wouldn't send me the fourth time. So he asked if I would do a short story for him. And I did that. And I had other people say, well, you, you can't send a, a Marine alone. You got to send buddies. So they gave me characters, and that's how the very, very first book got published. It wasn't meant to be for anybody but that small group. And then I got all kinds of comments from people saying, what happens to the female lead? We want to know what happens to her. Mm -hmm. So that's where the second book came for that. And I've done both self-publishing and through edge publishing. So I've got, you know, professional and self uh, under my belt. And I usually go self-publishing for most of my stuff. It's better return on royalties. <laughs> right. I mean, that has to be just really awesome just for one as an author and then a librarian, which is a person who facilitates the access of information to others. You know, uh, yeah. it's, it's such a beautiful overlap to do that both through writing and through professional service and it Oh, and I'm I'm professionally to... I'm professionally out with uh publications as well. I I do uh library journals that I have several articles out in the Access Services Journal, um the Reference Services Review and I have another one coming out this summer for Reference Services Review. And you're in academia, right? Correct. I'm I'm at a, a university library. Yes. Yeah, see, so you're on that publication is part of your expectation, right, for your uh, faculty ship? Um, for some, some libraries require it. Some don't. I'm I'm lucky that I'm at one that doesn't. Okay. I I just I I'm I'm such a nerd. I research all the time for stuff to improve what I do and what, what I can do for my students that mm -hmm. I'm always reading anyway. So figure as long as I've done that much research, I might as well share it with somebody. Right. Well, and do you think the access services, which for those of uh, the listeners that don't know what access services and librarianship even are saying, would you <laughs> share? <laughs> sure. So, um, usually access services are mostly your technical services people. They're not full librarians in most cases. They're the ones that are your front line in the, in, in the trenches kind of people. They're the ones that deal with checking books in and out. And if there's um, fines or late fees or anything of that nature, they handle reserves. They're the first person you generally see when you walk into any library. And then the librarian is, is the second person. They're usually the one that will help with finding research materials. And so these are also the individuals who are dealing with the people who come into libraries and spaces needing information. So there's more yeah. than just an information exchange is happening kind of in a social service context. Uh, oh, yes. Libraries sit at the intersection of social welfare and, and uh, information literacy, you know. Yeah, that's that, it's a huge part of information literacy, and, and especially with all the technology, it's, it's also the technology literacy. 
that we're making sure that they understand how to use the computers and how to get mm -hmm. into the databases and how do you access all the technologically related material that we have only online. Right. I mean, it's so it's so technical, right? Um, yeah. But it's interesting because the alternate kind of um, viewpoints that are provided when you're dealing with people where they are, that you do see, like, people who are dealing with PTSD who come into a library that need to be able to still access services, right? There's, there's certain sensitivities to the population that the access services individuals are going to be encountering first, right? I guess the thermometer yes. on, on society at any given time would be these frontline individuals, I think. And we've been very lucky. Our, our administration um, arranged for several of us to attend mental health first aid training. So we are certified like your first aid CPR cards. We have the mental health first aid certification cards. Mm -hmm. Which is really beneficial. And we've been called on a few times where they're not, you know, sometimes it's just for other staff members that are having issues, but a lot of times it's, you know, if patrons just don't know where to go or where to start and they're having trouble with either their mental health or um, they're not sure what's going on or one of the students will come and say something's a little off with this patron, can you come out? So we're, we do a lot of that to help mitigate and redirect the right resources. It's, it's like you are definitely fulfilling a role in multiple ways. And some of what you have to be using is not just your librarian skills. It's got, would you say your empathy and your maybe your other clairs are helping you to do what you do as an yeah. author or a librarian? I would have to say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some people don't see like writing as like a form of channeling. They're very, you know, they're very, it happens differently for everybody. Some people are purely in a creative space and other people feel like more like they're just receiving their clairvoyant messages through story frameworks. Um, how is your writing? Both. It's... Um... A large part of it is, you know, I, I always tell people I have voices in my head telling me to write what they say, but um, <laughs> that's not entirely all of it. Sometimes it's it's looking at the people around me and the situations I encounter, and I can say this now, my mother-in-law has passed, but she actually ended up being the bad guy in the third book of my first series. <laughs> okay. Because she did some... She did some. She did and said some things at uh, my husband's grandmother's funeral that uh, definitely set us off. And he and his brother had a good laugh about it afterwards, not in the moment, no, but afterwards right. they were able to laugh. <laughs> but we were trying to talk about, you know, it was at a funeral. It's a good time to bring up, you know, come on, mom, let's think about your own end, and we need to start making some plans so we know what you want and. She very much dug her feet in and said, you're not making me move from Arizona up to Minnesota, and this is not going to happen. And 
she she starts stomping her feet in the car and she's like you can't make me and and then at some point um, she 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 can't drive she couldn't drive and she said you know I'm gonna get a scooter and I'm gonna drive it into the house and mm. my brother-in-law had said come on mom you you know I've always wanted to be an astronaut but you don't see me in space and mm. I took that and that went into my book as um, I've always wanted to fly, but you don't see me as an eagle, do you? Mm. So he made it in, and she made it in as kind of the bad person at the end of that situation. And everybody that knew had a good laugh about it, but she just thought it was a good book, so that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> when you are like dwelling in the intersection, right? Of like so your authorship, your your real life magically happening and and you chronicling that. And then you're in do you consider yourself psychic? Is that a word that you identify with? Yes. Um I'm I'm very empathetic and I can see auras. Okay. So I can pick up if somebody is telling the truth or if they're lying based on what colors I'm seeing off of them. And getting that vibe, if it's a good person or somebody you just want to stay away from, based on that as well. So have you always been able to see auras, even as a child? Yes, I thought everybody could. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't until I was, oh, probably 13 12, 13, somewhere in there, um, some other things had happened, and I finally talked to my mother about it, and she's like, oh, well, that's just normal. I have it. Your grandmother has it. Welcome to the family. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, that, was, it was, that was eye-opening. I thought, you know, that that was kind of a normal thing, and she said, no, that, that my aunts and my uncle didn't have it, and um, it seemed like it was just kind of one per generation that gets it. Okay. So did you ever stop seeing auras, or have you been continuously uh, able to be open to it? The only time it has ever stopped was when I was going through cancer treatments. Medication will sometimes dull it, and that there were so many medications it shut down, and it was just like losing one of my senses, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't I couldn't trust any of the doctors because I couldn't tell if they were being honest or not. Mm. Oh wow! So that is definitely a dark night of the soul on multiple levels. Oh, that was a rough time. I imagine so. Now, in your librarian life, is it known that you? consider yourself to be psychic and or see aura? Many people know. I have. I don't make a production out of it because people don't go around saying, oh, I can hear. So, right, right, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> but a few people that know, and a lot of times if we have interviews or things like that, people will kind of wander past my door and say, so did you pick up anything? <laughs> just, just trying to get a sense. Which is, I always find that kind of funny, but um, yeah, so that's, I think they, some know and some don't, and it's, it's just kind of, it's like somebody wearing, you know, a pentacle or, you know, the triple goddess symbol or something that 
if you see it, you see it. If you don't, it's not that big of a deal. It's kind of a personal deal. But it's not yeah. hidden, but it's not shouted. Right, right. I get, I get exactly what you're saying. You just kind of are yourself, right? And let people make their own inferences yes. to whatever degree they want to be involved. <laughs> yes. And when when my last, when the priestess that trained me was ready to step down and she's like, so you're going to inherit the coven. She said, so you need to get to third degree. And that's, we have a three degree system. And um, third is, is the, the path for others to, to be a leader. And I said, well, I need to finish grad school because I was in that at the time. And I really want to talk to my current boss about it. And I went in and I talked to our dean. And she looked at me like I had just grown a second head. And she said, I don't care if you worship a fish as long as you get your job done. And I was like, well, right. I solved that problem. I'm finishing right. this stuff and I'm going to do it. So, so it's, it's dovetailed pretty well, I think. I think so as well. It's uh, so as you're as you're talking about the like the like you said like the pentacle or if people see things or they have questions like right or like to whatever degree people are comfortable like so like I I knew when I met you that your vibration was good right our conversation <laughs> was cool it was easygoing. Um, I didn't feel like you, yeah, you were just bright and shiny, right? So then mm-hmm. I'm listening to reading your bio, and then I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about, like, covens or pagan or any, you know, whatever the appropriate word is. So I'm like, all right, well, I know the vibration of the person, right? So this is a chance for me to have an enlightening conversation from an information source about a spiritual path that I don't have any knowledge of whatsoever. So I'm very curious. Like, so for this is the bio you have here that you are a priestess, Thura EA of the Order of the Aurora Branch of the Spiral Tree tradition or STT and uh, so I would love to unpack what does all of that mean what is all that yes Um, (laughs) so um, yeah I there was a woman that had started the tradition well before I was part of things and then she had stepped out and another woman had taken over she had grown the group to about nine people, and then some of them left or moved out of state, and then the priestess that trained me had come in, and um, I joined a few years after that. It was during my time of cancer treatments that I was kind of introduced to this alternate path where I had been so alone in the hospital, and feeling like I was left in the dark and that there was no deity watching over me. I'd been raised Catholic, married Lutheran, and decided that just nothing was, nobody was there. Nobody was answering. And that was the, it was the middle of an afternoon. And I just said, if there is anybody listening, I need to know that I'm not alone. And Mm -hmm. I felt a hand on my shoulder 
And a woman's voice said, I've got you. You're not alone. Mm. And I looked around. I thought there was going to be a nurse standing there, and there was nobody. And I walked to the door, and I said, did anybody just come into this room? And they're like, no. Mm. But Mm. I had gotten a very, very physical sign that there was somebody with me. And I did a lot of research after that. And then there was a, a Wicca 101 course that came up in in the Grand Forks area, and, and that was once I had gone into remission, I went to that, and everything she was saying was what I had been experiencing, and it just, it really resonated that everything is nature-based, and everything is connected to everything else, and it's not about one God or two gods, it's about whatever facet of deity affects you, mm-hmm. so... Everybody, when I met the the people in the coven, everybody had a different deity that they were working with. And it was very clear at that time that deity doesn't always remain the same. That sometimes they're only there long enough to, to work with you through something or to teach you something or to help you. And then a different one might come in. Um, some people have the same ones for a very long time. And I've been... I, I think I'm very lucky. I've had the same ones for a long, long while. And um, we work together within the coven to do community service. We do, um, like right now, there's a bunch of uh, legal stuff going on in legislation uh, regarding trans rights and um, librarian stuff. They're, they're looking to remove a lot of books in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we, the activist part of our, our tradition has gotten very busy in writing legislation about stuff like that. Um, so we're very good about supporting the community. We try to do something to help, like, the Center for Violence Intervention that's in town or we'll help the people at the Cancer Center. We try to do something once a year to help out minimum. Um, and we do have there's a, a, a group called Project Dignity, that is based in town, um, that, that is, uh, it was founded by somebody that wanted, they had been through some sexual abuse and wanted to make sure that anybody else that went through it didn't have to leave the hospital in scrubs because they, they confiscate all the clothing and everything in mm-hmm. those cases. Mm-hmm. So to maintain dignity, they do um, all kinds of, um, care packages that include a brush and toothbrush and socks and shoes so they're not going out in those little hospital booties or anything. And we've done silent auctions for that, and we're planning to do some more partnering with them this year. So that's part of what we do as a coven. Um, and then we have circles. We, we call them circles. We get together twice a month, and we do lessons of a sort. Either it's going to be learning how to use a divination tool or learning how to use rune stones or um, a, history, a history of something. We've done um, standing stones. We've done Norse Bay. We've done all kinds of interesting things like that. Um, so it's a way to come together with a community of like-minded people and you become family and, and just work to teach each other these different things. And then we'll go out and we'll do divination days in the community where we teach others how to use divination tools. 
and we're, we've got coming up now on the, the 4th of February, we're doing, uh, for Involk, we're doing an Orlaug, which is a Norwegian tradition where um, you get together to celebrate your accomplishments. There's, it used to be a thing that people would break so badly that they would, um, they'd end up fighting. And there was one of the Jarls, one of the kings at that time, who said, that's not, no, ever, and if, you, if anybody starts bragging anymore, that's the end of it. There will be some murder on the horizon kind of a thing. And um, it shut down. Like, you don't talk about anything good at all. And that's carried over to the United States here, where mm-hmm. we just, especially in the Midwest, we're terrible about, you know, somebody's like, oh, that's a beautiful car. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Or, oh, that, that thing you put together for that big donation, whatever. Oh, it was just a little thing. You know, they mm-hmm. downplay everything. Mm-hmm. And, and Orlaug is, is something where you get to actually celebrate with, you know, you bring the mead and the drinking horn and the whole business and you make a list and you just recite all of the great things that you've done, even if it's just, you know, you figured out how to cook the first time or you built the ship or darned a sock, we don't care. You can, you can talk about whatever it is and we celebrate that. So this is like, you know, setting off the difference between the Hollywood version of when you would hear of a coven, right? Versus (laughs) what you just talk about, which is a group of people who have like a similar uh, goal and spiritual vibration getting together. And it seems like this has that, it's a historical, culturally specific term as well maybe for like the European or as you said like the Norse and um, um, uh, Scandinavian and the Pantheon over over there you know every place kind of has a uh, like voodoo or voodoo or Ifa all those have been villainized uh, in terms of anti-Christian rhetoric against, uh, mm-hmm. similar to how pagan or coven is, would you say that is pagan the right term to use uh, in relationship to what you're speaking of, or am I misusing it? No, you're correct. Um, it's kind of like um, you can say that all witches are pagan, but not all pagans are witches. So pagan okay. is like the umbrella, and we would be one of the offshoots, you know, strings of the umbrella, where, you know, the other ones would be things like Druidism, uh, Odinism, any of that would fall under those different umbrella spokes. So, okay. yeah, uh, witches and covens would be pagan. Okay, and so it's also like nature and herbs and elements, and more of like an indigenous practice. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we do, we try to do something cultural as well to understand other groups. And um, this year we were just talking about this last weekend that we're planning on going to a local powwow because most of the members in our group have not been to one. So just so they can better understand something of our indigenous people from, from the Midwest here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, it's so interesting because uh, it, depending on the goal of the, 
the prevailing narrative. Uh, we know that a lot of the terminology of witches and covens is negative was really mm-hmm. more about suppressing the feminine wisdom keepers of the priestesses yeah. and healers and um, as different power structures were moving into place. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's a big part of why it's so negatively portrayed. So the you had to study, from what I understand, or you you can you worked closely with members in the group for a period of time, and begin to assume more responsibilities in terms of like being the president, if you will, in terms of yes. the organization. Yes, <laughs> and so then you're moving and helping to direct the activities of the whole group uh, for the stated goals. So I can see where you are pretty busy a lot, especially if you're doing that twice a month. And mm-hmm. you're going out also to do educational things. I see that you had written about tarot and harrow cards. Now, I've never heard of harrow cards. What are those? So Harrow cards, I'm a gamer, so <laughs> the Harrow cards were created for D&D Pathfinder um, with the intent of having kind of the Romani-flavored people represented within the, the, the gaming world, and part of that was that they would have some sort of a divination tool, and to that end, they were these Harrow cards that just started out as kind of in the book. You would hear about them. And there were so many people that were interested in it that the company put out tarot cards. And they, they read just like tarot cards. They're, the imagery is very different, though. Um, it's a lot – it has a lot to do with what the gaming world would, would consider typical. So there's um, like a, a queen ant that has got a fancy robe and, and the grubs are at her feet. And um, the the broken sky, where somebody's manacles are broken, and they were obviously slaves, and they're now in the free sun with the desert behind them, you know. And, and cards like that 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 definitely tell a different story than the the tarot cards would, mm-hmm. but it's to the same end. So it's like a, a Sibylla, like a Vera Sibylla almost. Not like the Italian ones in terms of cardamancy. Yeah, in this one you can do, it doesn't, you know, like a lot of times with tarot cards, they recommend like the Celtic cross method or things like that. This one is either a three-card spread or a nine-card spread that's in three rows. And it's the three in the middle are the, the immediate situation. The three above would be what's above you, what's, affecting the decision and then what's below you that's negatively affecting the situation but those take forever so i try to stick with the threes when i do most divinations or most people want to pay extra right so and so in between all of these you do offer client services and um, events speaking and things like that as well correct correct so I presented so, at um, Paganicon a couple of times now. 
Um, that's a big gathering up in Minneapolis, just outside of Minneapolis. Um, and I've done stuff locally for some of our smaller groups that are the they're across the state. And and then of course professionally, when I go to uh, library conferences, I do other types of presenting. Have you uh, done Dragon Con down here? No, it's on my list. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I don't know if you would want to be a vendor or participant because of your books. Yeah, that's when we do vending, we do, my husband and I are both authors, and we both paint miniatures for tabletop gaming, and we have an online shop for that. Plus, we both have full-time jobs, and we're both in the coven, <laughs> so we're, we're pretty busy people. So the coven is uh, multi-gendered. It's not just female. We are, for the longest time, the Order of the Aurora had the distinct pleasure of having mostly males in it. Okay. The, before that, it had traditionally been one, maybe two, and we had three out of five people, or three out of four that were, were male at the time. And we're, um, we just upset the balance. We, we've now got three, three girls to two guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's something, too, when you were asking about covens, the general rule with them is that there's never more than 13. And it's not because 13 is special in any way, other than the fact that there are only 13 things that need to be done to open and close circle. And everybody participates. There are no watchers. Everybody that is present participates. Okay. And it's so simple it's, things. It's, it's, you know, calling a god, calling a goddess. Right. Calling the four quarters, things like that, that everybody takes a turn doing something. So when you first... Once you run out of position, yeah, then you make another coven. But it keeps being interconnected and changing, right? It's like a living structure. It is. It's it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess it'd be kind of like churches in that sense that, you know, when the community gets big enough, you need to build another church kind of a deal. But it's very individualized overall in terms of it's, a group of individually focused spirit people with just kind of operating in the same space. Yes. Um, it seems like everything kind of drives together somehow. Um, most of the time, unless there's a need, we just keep the calling of the God and the goddess general. We don't call on a specific one unless somebody says, I really need help with something. Can we call on my deity? And then we'll specifically invite them in. But um, generally, we don't have a problem. We had um, somebody that just recently started working with Loki and didn't tell us right away. And if you know anything about Loki, he's a trickster god. <laughs> and he doesn't get along with a lot of the other Champion in the Norse mythology, and uh, we have several people in this house where the coven said is is based that have multiple Norse deities. It didn't go very well the, the first while, 
but mm-hmm. generally we've got we've got the some English deities, we've got some Norse, some Egyptian, um, and we've also got one that is Aztec. Okay. Oh, so and what's what's the um, there's another one, um, the Slavic. Yes, that's the other one. So everyone just come brings their themselves and whatever they're doing, and mm-hmm. that so that you know it's very in Aquarian, isn't it? That's like really. Yeah, a <laughs> it's like the embodiment of the age of Aquarius, which is about the individual uh, experience of things. Yeah, but the and common... I have to say my my one of my favorite class lesson, whatever you want to call it, was uh, we did deity speed dating a while back that everybody had to do a short blurb about their god and a short blurb about their goddess. And we actually had one of our other um, covens from the the spiral tree tradition out in Washington, the, the Weavers of Truth, zoomed in on that one so that they could watch what was going on. And that was five minutes in the hot seat that you could show pictures, give a brief background, and it's kind of like when you go to those those dating things where you sit on one mm-hmm. side of the table yeah. or another and you have five minutes to say, here's all of my great points, and then get out of the chair and let somebody else sit down. Oh, that'd so that be was, cool. It was a fun way. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it was an easy way to, to get to know a little bit more about some other um, pantheons and different things like that. Wait. So my curiosity, I have a couple questions. A few weeks ago now, I guess, I wound up bringing in a picture that just, an art piece that really resonated with me. And um, the creator then told me that it was Veluspa. Are you familiar with Veluspa? How do you spell it? V-A-L-U-S-P-A. She was one of the vulva and one that foretold the fall of Rangarak. Yes. So, yeah, the vulva were the the priestesses of, of the ancient Scandinavian era. They would travel the landscape. They're the ones that did the recording of uh, weddings, christenings, any of that kind of stuff. And they so, were the ones that practiced, practiced the magic. Yeah, they were the oracles, right? So that energy started coming in. I also had Odin come forward in a reading that I received that same weekend. And I was having these precognitive type dreams at night as well. And then... Mm-hmm. I wound up getting a Viking seer stone at a crystal gem party. And I'm like, what is going on? And then um, oh, two weekends ago, I had a reading <laughs> and they said, oh, does one of your guys look like Gandalf? <laughs> and I started laughing because <laughs> I thought, well, probably, yeah. And then she said, oh, a druid. He's not speaking. He's a druid. He's doing my husband, my husband is sitting over here mouthing at me. That's Odin. That's Odin. Uh, 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 okay. 
Well, I guess it was drawing sigils and stuff and was like here for yep. uh, bringing energy of alchemy. And I was like, well, this is cool. Okay. And then like the next day I was doing a crystal reading and mystic Merlinite came in and the uh, Merlin energy. I was like, what is going on? Okay, I got some new, you know. Of course, I love, like, Cimmerillion and Tolkien and all of that, so I wouldn't be surprised to have a Gandalfian, you know, uh, uh, spirit guide. But then when I'm reading your bio, it's like the Order of Merlin. I'm like, okay, spirit, this is a long prelude to a connection. What's really going (laughs) on here? (laughs) Yeah, it's, isn't it funny how that always ends up working out that way, that everything is kind of leading you in one direction. Odin is, is a pretty cool guy. I mean, he's, yeah, my husband's like, yeah, whatever. He's he's really impressive. We've, we've unintentionally worked with him here. We meant to work with Scotty, which is one of the Norse female goddesses, and Thor came in instead, and Odin's presence was just overpowering in the room, but he's he's your penultimate traveler. He's, he likes to go and see and do and learn, and that's exactly the, the kind of person you are, so it makes sense that he's got an interest in you. Oh, as a matter of fact, a raven came through twice, too. <laughs> he's giving me the come on look over here. <laughs> That's so crazy. It was like a talking raven outside of a little restaurant in a video that I saw, and then a raven on a card or something. Uh, the, yeah, an, another oracle visionary seeing Viking type thing got through, and it was with the raven and the stag. So, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting because, as you said, like different entities come forward in our experience and so like beginning to observe like the okay this is something new um there's a common thread so like in your group or your practice what is the the merlin connection my magic is out of a merlin so a Merlin actually wasn't a mage the way they've made it out to be in the stories. That was the title for the storyteller that traveled around. Mm. Mm. So my my magic is we found out by accident. One of my coworkers, he was my boss at the time. He we got is when you get to second degree, you have to know what your magic is. If you don't know, you can't advance. And I was just stressing, thinking, I don't have I don't have anything that special. I don't know what it is. And he finally said, yes, you do. He said, if you say anything, for good or for ill, the person believes it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, they don't. And he goes, no, think about this person. When you said this really good thing, and all of a sudden everything went really well for them. Think mm-hmm. about this person. When you unintentionally said something bad and what happened with that situation, how it tanked. And he, he gave me multiple scenarios, and I was like, that's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did uh, a Yule party shortly after that, and I had been asked to tell a story for the little kids. And, I have, I, you know, I, I've done it in the past, but up to that point I hadn't done a lot of just 
flat out storytelling, not reading from a book, just storytelling. And all of a sudden, people started sitting down. Mm. A few at a time, the adults were coming in and just sitting down. And there was probably 11 or 12 little kids and not a movement, not a peep out of them until the story ended. And every adult was sitting silent at a party. I had not planned for the Mm. adults to come into that room. And then the next summer, it happened again, where it was just this wave of everybody just standing around listening and just boom, 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 everybody sat down. And I said, mm-hmm. well, there it is. That's, that's my magic. So that's, that's where the so Merlin comes cool. in. Oh, that is so cool. I love the way so, that you explain and experience that. Yeah, and so I'm very, very careful that I don't say hurtful things about people because I don't want to make it true. Right. Well, and like you said, be that it's your specific observable power then yes. to use it responsibly. Like, and that'll be the case of whatever your thing is, is in the right use of said ability. Yes. That's my husband's gift is he's, he's the protector. You put a capital P on that baby because he is, nothing happens without going through him. If, if something is, if somebody is hurting or somebody is hurting them, he's right there in the middle of that. If there's um, outside influences coming at the coven, he's right there to protect it. And he's, he's so kind and gentle about it that people don't even realize that they're being blocked until after it's over. Do you know if from either of you that if you have other incarnational uh, legacies or energies? We have known each other in other lifetimes. There's some we we didn't see each other, but we've we've got a connection, and we've done some past life regression work that we we know we've connected on other lifetimes. And the, your particular work in what you're doing now in any of your avenues? Does it have any relationship to past incarnations? Like were you always like a librarian or were you always in some form of priestessy, priesty uh, capacity or any kind of inheritance? inheritance? Not always. No, not always. Um, there's there's one of the situations I know that took me back to, to being a boy, and I was a baker. And it was just a very simple life, but seeing that go, go through it, I didn't know him in that lifetime. Mm. So there's, there's different times, and he, he's been in Egypt in the past, and I've never been there, and for me it was... England and, and Scotland, and he's never been in that area. Have you done any international travel to go to, like, any heritage locations for your faith practice? Not specifically for that. Um, we have been to Denmark and Austria because we have people that we gamed with for years and years. And after I went through all of my health issues, 
they had said, you know, you're coming. We're going to try to get to you, and you need to try to get to us, and we're going to host. And so we just made that one of my goals for getting well. And they hosted us at their homes and toured us around Denmark and got to see all, all the National Museum of Denmark in Copenhagen. Our, our host on that one, too, thought that he could get us, you know, two hours in and out of a four-floor building when my husband's a historian. Wow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And, and then in Austria, we got to stay in um, the Blood Countess's... One of Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bathory's castle. And it was a oh, okay. There's, uh, there's the original Dracula lady, right? Yes, we, I mean, we knew, and that was, the funny thing was, it was her summer home. We didn't know that. We knew there was a Templar exhibit that my husband wanted to see, and then we got there, and they hand us this brochure, and they're like, and here's about the castle. We're like, wait, 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 what? And (laughs) then my husband has this great idea. He says, wouldn't it be great if it was a dark and stormy night in a castle? And we got to actually watch. (laughs) <laughs> we got to watch a storm. You know, you, you always hear, see it in the books. With, you watch the storm clouds rolling. And here, I don't know about Atlanta, but up here, it's daylight, it's bright, it's sunny, and then bam, it's rain. And right. <laughs> in Austria, you watch it actually, the clouds roll over each other as they come down the hillside. It was just mm. the neatest experience. And oh, wow. that one, there was a ghost. It was a, like a peasant girl. That I was, I was, my husband and our friend were further down the exhibit in this upstairs hallway, and the only way to get there was this circular staircase that came up. It was stone, and like one person, maybe two, could get by. And there was this little rotunda area, and this woman looked in, and this little girl that was next to me, she looked over, and I looked over, and then the woman ducked out of view and started down the stairs, and the, the little girl's dad came up about that same time, and she said, Dad, did you see that really cool girl go down? She was dressed like she's from that time. And he was like, nope, there was nobody there. Mm-hmm. And we had asked at the front desk, and they said they never really have re- reenactors in the castle. So we got to see some kind of a ghost. Yeah, that's cool. Are you typically clairvoyant to be able to ghosts? No, usually, well, once in a while if they're strong. Um, we've had weird things happen, but normally I don't see them. One of my one of my good friends, she, we, we laugh, that her gift, she's an amplifier. When she's with me, weird things will happen more often than not. Oh, yeah. And I will see things that I wouldn't otherwise see. Right. My clairvoyance is not my strongest, you know, so I'm not going to say, oh, I see a lady sitting here with a bouffant and glasses and she wants to know why, you know, I don't, that's yeah. not how I get it, you know what I mean? But um, Yep, that's not me either. <laughs> <laughs> everybody has it kind of come through in their own way. Um like the typical client who books a session with you, what are they uh, looking for? How do they are they drawn to you? Usually, it's because of the open divination days that or the where we're training people is when they find me, and a lot of times it's just asking, "What's coming? And how am I going to get out of this situation that I'm in? What do I need to change?" 
So I'd say that's probably like 80% of what I get when people ask for me to, to do a reading for them. Okay. And so they know about what are you, and can you spell what you're saying in terms of the type of reading? Can I what? The word you said, uh, umpa reading. Uh, what kind of, just a general reading you said? Yeah, just a general reading. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying a, a specific type of divination, and I just didn't catch um, it. I thought. Yeah, most of the time if I'm going to do something specific, my my favorite divination tool I'm really, really good with is a pendulum. Okay. And then and then the harrow cards and then the tarot cards. Okay, and you do you do you do ruin ruin divination as well? Our group does. My husband is our resident rune reader. He is excellent at it. Okay. And that's and he's also taught like, on it. That's also like Yeah, we've got What's that? Ruins are Norse origin. Yes. Okay. That was uh, one of the things that Odin hung on the tree to get was how to read the ruins because that was considered female magic up until that point. Oh, I didn't know that about why. I just knew that he did hang, uh, hang himself to change his perspective with his eye plucked out. Yep, until he could understand the way a woman thought, he wasn't allowed to have it. Mm. And after that, he was allowed to know how the satyr or their magic worked. Oh. So I'm assuming you've read, like, the Wheel of Time series. Surprisingly not. I have – I started and I never finished it. Okay. <laughs> so, no. But I but do know. Familiar. I have a lot of friends that have read it. What's yeah, that? You're, you're familiar in the world of fantasy with, you know, the whole – Masculine and feminine magic, polarity of expression, gender wars, magic wars kind of threads, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, that's, that's kind of a standard across most books is either women don't have it or they're having it taken away from them or it's put down in some way. Well, your triple, no, you said spiral tree tradition. Now, I'm envisioning something that looks kind of very Celtic um, as I just think about what that would look like, but can you explain more about what that is? What the spiral tree tradition is? Yes. So what the the design was in, so we're actually, the tradition's 10-year um, anniversary is coming up this fall, and um, that was the point where we first branched from just the Order of the Aurora to having us and the Heart of Pentacle Fellowship, which was the second group to form. And the two priestesses at that time chose to take a stylized tree that is just the trunk is kind of twisted together, almost like um, kind of like two blinkies twisted together and mm -hmm. some little curls where the roots would be and then the tree branches kind of come out with little curls on the end of them as well 
And the image is on the, the website, the spiraltreetradition.com, so that people can see what that looks like. Um, we were, at that point, we decided that each group would be individual with a common core. So we all have the same tradition practice as far as how we call the quarters and call the deities. But within our daily practice or within our monthly practice, we may do things a little bit different. But when we all come together, which we try to do every three to five years at this point because we're across, um, then we all have that same core lore and the same core ability to call um, the circle and, and cast and do it together and it, it works seamlessly. Okay, I'm seeing on your website. So I, I did not have in my mind's eye the right thing. But, yeah, this is a very beautiful energy in the, in, in the logo. So, and that's spiraltreetradition.com. Yes. Okay. The, the whole thing was is that we're all one branch off of the same tree. Okay. Now, in terms of the like the demographic of the your organization, is there a common demographic, or is it like multicultural, multiracial, and more practical? Yeah. Or okay. Um, yeah, we're we're a very mixed demographic, and we tease each other within our groups that. You know, ours is kind of the academic nerds in our group, but we're also known as the gamer group because we're the ones that incorporated the, the question when we, when we meet with the potential applicant. You ask the, the questions with, you know, where do you have any allergies or do you have any standard practices or what books have you read? Do you like gaming? And everybody else laughs that we have to include that. And then mm-hmm. you've got <laughs> we've got mm-hmm. – the group that we've got, the one in, in one of them in Washington, is very focused on the the trans group of of people, and they're doing a wonderful job with everything they're doing. They've got another group that, right now, they're kind of all the mommies. They've got they they've all just had babies, so <laughs> we're just we give them a bad time about that. And the Part of the Pentacle Fellowship is is very travel centric. They like to go and do and explore and get their feet into it. And uh, we've got a group out in Kansas that we like to to tease them that you know they're kind of the the, the group that likes to do the do the the open air convention camping things and um, things like that. So it's a good mix of people of. We don't have a broad base of difference in races in in North Dakota, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We're we're pretty much the color of the snow. Right. Which is, right. <laughs> it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. We've had a lot of immigrants coming to our area, which is wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think they found us yet. Um, but yeah, mostly we've got a lot of of trans people that are drawn to our tradition because we are very accepting, where a lot of traditional churches are not up here. And this is like the old world or old way, old path um, return almost, right? Yes, yes. 
it's actually there's it's called a homecoming, um, which I didn't know when I first started the path. When when you find your people and you're just like I feel like I'm home, you know it's it's some people get that walking into a big cathedral, and they just feel like they're at home. It's, it's mm-hmm. like I, this is where I needed to be, and mm-hmm. some people find us and we're their people, and they, this is where they need to be, and it feels like they've come home. So mm-hmm. it's called a homecoming when you find your people. Uh, I think guess all my my version of that is your vibe attracts your tribe, and the good vibe tribe. That's my people, oh, you know. Yeah. exactly what Um, it is it's just so interesting i you know i've i've i'm glad to be able to talk with you because i you know if if you've never met anybody that's doing a particular thing then it's very good to get firsthand telling like you know like what is it your life looks like and you're talking about going and doing community service and teaching and coming together and fellowship and supporting each other with sovereignty, you know, all these things. It's like, oh, well, now I can refer people, you know, to Spiral Tree Tradition and to you for further seeking, you know. so yeah, thank you <laughs> for being making yeah, it's, something it's available. Great. Yeah, and we're ha- any of the priestesses are are happy, and we've got a couple of priests out in Kansas now. Um, any of us are happy to talk to people and answer questions and you know just general things that they may want. Uh, we've got one group in Fargo, North Dakota, that is really good at um, oh, words are gone. What's do that to do? The yeah, the Clues. no, the 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 exorcisms. Oh, okay. They, they'll go and do exorcisms if needed. So um, we've got a broad range of services that we can offer people as well. That's cool. Where's in Kansas do you have members? I want to say Wichita. Yes, it's okay. Wichita because I was, we, we laugh about the witches in Wichita. <laughs> well, I have family and roots in in Kansas. That's why I was wondering. I, I go to I fly in and out of Wichita sometimes. Uh, you know, it's I like my cities a little bigger than that now. <laughs> yeah, the the priestess there is Bailana. And she's the one that was actually the one that helped get this group started, the Order of the Aurora. So she she was here, and then she my priestess was put in charge after she moved, and then I was put in charge after that. So now it's you, a really nice connection all the way back up here to the Midwest. Well, and your spiritual name you said is Thora, right? Yes. Can you um, share what that, that means, or is it private? No, I actually can. Um, so my, I was my middle name is Tura, and my great grandmother's name was Tura, and it seems like it's been every, so many great grandmothers back that there's there's a Tura or a Thora in there, and I thought that was just a perfect name, to take on as my first because it was so similar to my middle name, and mm-hmm. it also means Thor's daughter. Oh. Okay. And at first, 
at first degree, everybody gets to choose their magical name. And the reason we take a magical name these days is not so much because we need to keep it private, so much as it's to protect your real identity. Um, we have a lot mm -hmm. of people that, you know, like you said, the movies portray us very differently. And the news still talks about witches being bad people. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. there, there are still people that if their jobs find out, they can get fired. People have lost their kids. They've lost their apartments. So mm -hmm. being able to keep that privacy is a very big deal for them, which is why you very rarely see full pictures. Our group, it was a decision to put our group's picture up on, on our, our website. They're all open about it. But some groups would prefer that some of the members are kept quiet, and that's, you know, for their protection. Mm -hmm. And then at second degree, you get to choose a second name. So that's the E in my name is Elva Linnea. It's a character that I gamed with for a very long time. <laughs> okay. And she was a cleric. So it, it made sense for me to take that. And then the last is Ashiana, which is uh, more from India. And it was in a, a, a movie. A friend of mine that's from Malaysia watched a lot of Bollywood with me. And there was a song in one of them that kept singing Ashiana. And mm -hmm. I looked it up, and it means a safe harbor. It's a safe place to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I chose okay. that as my third name. That's beautiful. That's, def that's definitely, I'm like, that's super librarian I like that's cool, right? Because you're like, I looked it up. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was even the gaming character when I was learning how to teach classes or teach other people how to do a type of magic practice with that character. I'd get people in game and I'd say, I have to run through this before I actually do it in real life with my with my coven. Can I try it? And they're like, sure, let's do this. And they, they'd actually be doing it in real life behind the screens as we did it on the screen. So I just I love that about them and because it was so instrumental in helping me, that's why I took her as a name. I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's like when you talk about like the the alias or the alter ego or other identity and all of that, you know, that's why I did wonder if you were out at work, you know, um, mm -hmm. and yep. like you said, there's passively out where it's like, I'm not hiding anything, but I'm also not marketing to you. <laughs> you <Yeah. know. laughs> and I do my door. There are days at, at work that my doors, I, I, I joke, it should just be a revolving door that partly because of the mental health first aid and because of being a priestess, it seems like, people are in and out constantly needing either support or assurance or just kind of, you know, somebody that they can lean on for a few minutes so that they can be strong enough to keep going. So mm -hmm. multiple reasons, just, you know, people in general are passing through and more than just the librarian work. Well, I think that it's really cool to be as multifaceted as you are and to be merging all of those things in terms of information 
and access, delivery, spiritual information, delivery, and and yeah, it's it's really cool. So and then the authoring on top of it, it's like you could pick any one of those avenues and spend quite some time continuing down it. Now, are you your books are self published? Where can a person find those? They can get them either through Amazon or you can go to CarleenToraClark.com and get them personalized. We'll, we'll, I'll sign it and send it out to you, and my husband's book is there as well. Okay, and your, your series is called, titled what? I have multiple series that are running. Um, the completed series is the Ranger series. That's their green books. Um, and that's the Ranger's Homecoming is the first one in that set. And then there's um, Assassin's Gift. That is the first of a septology. That's seven brothers that are all princes, and they're all sent in very different directions for their training. And this is the baby of the family. that um, He ends up with a griffin as a pet or friend, and he encounters a very different magic and lifestyle than he thought would ever be what he wanted to be involved with. Um, and I'm working on the second book in that, which is going to be Silver Song, and that should hopefully be out by this time next year. Um, I've got The Cherry Blossom Promises that is set in an alt-history steampunk magic Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Yeah, so there's a lot going on in that one. That one is a girl that seems like she needs to be saved, but she doesn't think so. She's off saving others while the guy that's interested in her is finding out what's actually going on in her family. Okay, and that one's already in series, or that's just a single? That one is a standalone. Um, And then the one that I put out with Edge Publishing is part of an anthology, and that is The Urban Green Man. Mm. And that was that was a fun one to do. I, I on a lark, I submitted a short for it, and I was like, well, you know, not like I'm going to hear anything. It's it's the Canadian publisher, and it's probably going to be really popular and whatnot. And then I get an email saying, you're down to the top five thousand. Are you still interested? You're down mm. to the top one thousand. Are you still interested? The top wow. five hundred. And the top 100, and then they end up making a cut of 42 or 43 stories. Wow. And they divided us into the elements. And my story went under air. And Mm. until we did our um, virtual book tour for that, I didn't even know why I was in air. I was like, that's silly because I'm talking about a crop failing. (laughs) And they said, no, it's because of the knowledge needed for for the, the main character to go into the town to figure out what was going on that was killing her husband and the field. And mm-hmm. that one, it's right out of the gate. You know that it's it's um, Sylvanus and Jackie of the Green. So two of the, the faces of the green man. Okay. And so this anthology is called what again? The Urban Green Man. That's your story. The story right. title is with is Wither Green within that anthology. Oh, okay. Here it is. I see it on your uh, I see it on your business card. Wither Green. Okay. 
and then that's K-A-R-L-E-N-E dot, no, no dot, K-A-R-L-E-N-E to T-U-R-A-C-L-A-R-K, CarleenTuraClark.com. Is it T-H-R-U-A? Just, uh, that's a T-U, just no okay, H in that one. Okay, and we'll put in the show notes for this uh, website and way to get in touch. And you're also on social media, correct? Yes, I am. Okay, and so your Instagram is the Clark, right? Correct. Okay, I follow you, I know. <laughs> And then Facebook is, you just have a personal page on Facebook, right? You don't have a business or author page? Um, no, I did have one. There was It's the Rangers Homecoming, but I don't do much with it. I don't have the time to keep it up. So most of my stuff is just post through my personal because it's got my name on it and people know that. So I go that way. Okay, so and you don't mind getting connections through there? Nope, as long as I don't get the, hey, you're hot and beautiful, I want to be your buddy, then I'll just do it right away. <laughs> All right, you don't want to respond in your DMs, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's always those few. <laughs> hey, my brands, we're in popular demand, what can we say? Yep, a lot of we people are. got we, they got a little thing for librarians. <laughs> But so we've had people listening on the phone line this evening. Thank you to everybody who's been tuning in in, in the chat room. Uh, we don't actually have anyone who is waiting for a reading, so that is good news. I would love it. Would it be possible for you to just uh, I don't know, pull a Harrow card for the collective if it works like that and see what message wants to come through. I'm very curious about the Harrow uh, divination. Well, let's see what comes up here. Whoops, that card's sliding around. Hang on. Okay, so the card that comes up is the Eclipse. This represents a lot of people that are under stress. When you look at the card itself, the sun is eclipsed in the background, and there's a man in the foreground that's very stressed out. And in the, the midground, it looks like kind of like zombies or ghouls that he's, he thinks he sees, but they're weirdly shadowed. So it could just be a trick of the lighting. Um, so it's just a reminder for, for everybody that you're not as lost on the path as you think. Mm. That if you just wait a few minutes, wait a few hours or a few days, take a breath, the sun will clear, it'll come visible again, and your path will be illuminated so you'll be able to see where you're going. It's mm. just a little bit of patience and, and take a breath. Don't, don't panic. Mm. In large, friendly letters. <laughs> Large friendly letters. Don't panic. <laughs> oh my goodness! I feel like I could use that reference with you. 
um, if for those of you, uh, it's a what the Hitchhiker's Guide to the to the Universe, right? The galaxy. Yeah, yeah to the galaxy. So don't panic. Yeah. Enlarge friendly letters, but um, don't forget your towel. <laughs> right, but that is very good, you know, a reminder and very timely for the things that have been coming through the collective. Um, you know, with they were talking about the water rabbit year, and that it's the time to just really go deeply inward and trust what's there more than what you do in the outside dialogue and external turbulence that's going on. It is time to, you know, bring it in. Yeah, bring it back in a little closer to home and take stock of what you have. Okay. I really am. I'm looking forward to. You're gonna to have to email me a picture of these cards because I'm. Never, um, um, I love divinatory systems, and there's so many amazing ways. Divination is just a way, that, a tool, or a practice, or modality that people use to connect with the spiritual realms, and it comes in as many different ways as there are people, from throwing of shells and stones and sticks and tea leaves and cards and signs and symbols and all manner of things. So whenever I get to hear about new ways that people use to have those spiritual conversations, I'm thoroughly fascinated. So thank you for sharing about those. Yeah, you are so welcome. This has been a lot of fun to visit with you and catch up. And it was just a fluke. My husband had been to that comic store a day or two before that and said you have to go you have to go back that place is amazing and just we were walking down the sidewalk and I was like oh I have to go in that shop I'm, and there you were it was perfect you guys were in there probably about a half hour by the time you were just chit-chatting and sharing and I, th- I think you were on your way back in right to the comic book but then you were getting ready to be gone like pretty I think traffic was bad that day as well because there was a lot of construction happening in Atlanta and you were like doing yes. convention too. Yeah, so there, the traffic was pretty bad and we were flying out. That was Saturday and we were leaving Sunday morning at 4.30 in the morning. We had to be up, get up and at the airport. Well, it was perfect so, timing and I am very... Glad that uh, we connected, A. I mean, I immediately said to you, I want to interview you on my new season of the show because I was fascinated, and it didn't take very long at all for that to happen. What was that, November maybe? Yes. Yeah, so it's perfect. And now I have another awesome Minnesotan. I, I know so many awesome librarians from Minnesota from being in law libraries, and of course, Minnesota being the home for West Publishing. I've been to many a conference up there and always met wonderful Minnesotans and usually ate far too much custard when I was up there. (laughs) Um, But uh, everyone is just, again, very, there tends to be a kind of helpful and kind energy in parts of like the... I don't know, is that the Northwest? What do you call that? The Midwest, nice. 
Yeah, because Kansas Midwest is a little different, but they're still salt of the earth. A lot of Scandinavian, yeah. Norwegian, farming, uh, generational, uh, hardworking, simple, um, open your home, open your barn, you know what I'm saying? Like we raise a barn together, community-centered uh, yeah, kind of very structures, nice. you know. Yeah, when just a few years ago we had a tree fall in our backyard and it filled the entire backyard. It fell perfectly so it didn't hit anything. But right after the storm we had three of our neighbors show up with chainsaws. That I mean that's just the way it is around here. Yeah. And it's you know, it's like that in lots of places around the United States, you know, not to take anything away from the south and other places I think where uh you know, but I guess the smaller populations, the community yeah. sense is stronger, you know. Uh, and I think that the function that you're there with being able to have people around you who get to be exposed to different faith practice, uh, who get to be able to be welcomed if they're a non-conforming gender or a non-conforming spiritual practice, the fact that you are operating out there in your network and your covenant group of people has to be like a, a life preserver for some Midwestern youth somewhere or person who otherwise would be feeling isolated and very potentially sad, you know? Yes. We definitely hope that we're making an impact on some of these people that they're they're not feeling so alone, that, we're, that they've got a lighthouse to look to if they need it. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, Carlene, I thank you for your time this evening, and I look forward to uh, checking out your writings and seeing you when you come to Dragon Con. It seems like it would be the perfect weekend for you. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, I'll probably be there for the Access Services Conference again, so you never know. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll definitely get together and uh, talk shop more next time you're in town. So um, to everyone who's joined this evening, definitely check out her website at carleentourclark.com. And join me again next week for another episode of the Psychic Inside Show. My guest for the last week of January is Karima King. And she is a wise and powerful and natural advocate, sister teacher. And she's an iridologist, so she's able to look at the eyes and begin to give information about you because of what she sees. So I'm looking forward to bringing Karima on for the show next week. And tomorrow, if you are free, Wednesdays on the Vibrary YouTube channel is In the Cards with the Vibrarian. And it's my opportunity to share oracle cards and tarot cards and decks from the Vibrary collection. And tomorrow is just going to be the topic is tarot time. We're going to be talking about the Rider-Waite-Smith style of tarot cards and what they're used for, a little bit of history, a little tarot nerddom <laughs> tomorrow. So, <laughs> Carlene, if you had any final wise words to share about, like, your journey and where you are today for someone else, what would you want to be said? 
do as much reading as you can. That's from the librarian standpoint and the priestess standpoint. Don't take anything at face value. Find out what the, the bottom line is on anything. Get in there, read it, and talk to people. And there's always somebody willing to listen. Absolutely. Check, 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 check. I take all four of those. <laughs> Each of you, I hope you have a, a great week and that you have so many blessings and that those blessings spill out from you and they just bless the world around you. Uh, the light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. You've been listening to the Psychic Inside Show with Joelle the Vibrarian. If it's in the psychic realm, it's our passion. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Vibrarian and on YouTube at The Vibrary. The show airs on Tuesdays at 8 Eastern on The Vibrary Radio Network. See you next week on The Psychic Inside Show.